0: Welcome to Post Credit Conversations, a movie podcast where we believe that a film is only as good as the discussion it inspires. My name is Kale Prindle. And I am Slade Lane. How you doing, Slade? Oh, I, I think we're both about the same. We we just
1: woke up recently, uh, probably in our jammy pants, and ready to talk movies on a yeah, Saturday morning. Did you morning. seriously
0: just get up also?
1: I didn't. No, I got up. A, a little, good. a little bit before you, but, but about the same time since I'm okay. two hours okay. ahead. You know what I mean? Yeah, so. you are two hours ahead.
0: <laughs> so I was like, man, if you slept in, so so my nine
1: thirty wake up time.
0: <laughs> very good, very good. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, I'm excited to get into our conversation this week so I'm, I'm really curious to see what you thought about our movie. Um, yeah. One thing that was frustrating. This probably won't be that interesting to people who listen. But one of the things that you know we try to do on this podcast is to choose movies that people have a good chance of already having access to because of any various subscriptions or stuff like that. So yeah. two weeks ago, when I said, hey, let's watch 28 Days Later, at that time, it was included with Hulu, and I was excited. And then neither of us tried to watch it Anywhere close to that, which makes sense because we yeah. weren't going to record for two weeks. And so when I went on last night and like let's watch it, it wasn't there. It was gone. <sighs> I was so annoyed. Yeah. Um. So I just want you to know, listeners, that Slade and I put in real money <laughs> for this episode. This <laughs> instead this, of pivoting and going for something else that was.
1: This episode also. cost eight dollars for continuity. Eight dollars total.
0: Um. Uh. Which any film
1: director knows, you know. That's a pretty small pri- price to keep in continuity. Uh, certainly Game of Thrones <laughs> did not spend that much in that one episode uh, with the enough. Starbucks cup. But you know cup. what? They
0: probably spent more than $8 editing out the Starbucks cup that got left on the table at one time. And and still missed it, and we get
1: mad at that. you know, it, I know. It's fine. $8 we do- dollar we mistakes. We hold people
0: to unfair standards. That's what we, really we do. We
1: really do. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Calm just glad then. you... I'm just glad you were agreeable to spend $4 and rent it. I'm like, oh, no, he's not going to want to watch it.
0: Well, no, I was excited to watch it. Okay, and good. Um, it's been a long time since I had seen 28 Days Later, and uh, we'll get into that here in just a moment because we haven't done so, our usual podcast catch-up on what have we been yeah, watching, yeah, so yeah, we yeah. should We've, do that first. Have you, Lane, you watched anything the last couple of weeks?
1: Um, I, <laughs> I really... You know, not much has changed probably since the last we talked. Uh, watching a lot of community still. Um, yeah. That TV show. So still trucking away. I did start a series that I've been curious about on Netflix. It's been out for a while called Five Came Back, a documentary series about um, five big filmmakers in the 40s, including, including uh, John Ford, Frank Capra, who... Famously made uh, It's a Wonderful Life and their role in making films during World War II. Um, yeah. So it's really interesting. Highly recommend it so far. It's, yeah, it's a good time if you like film and, and propaganda film and that whole world of...
0: I love propaganda film.
1: Well, it, it's just a very... it's very interesting it will tie in later in this episode i think uh so okay yeah well i started that um obviously uh i i failed to mention at least one movie the last time we were there because i was coming off a pretty good movie binge which is i watched the host um Mm, more of
0: bong joon ho yeah
1: and i get it that movie's really really good i enjoyed it a lot um yeah it's just really good uh pretty much have not been disappointed with any of his films thus far and definitely there's a progression a theme he hits on in every movie that I think just gets perfected over time he he thinks of things in a very interesting way I think so uh, yeah highly recommend the host
0: also, I need to revisit that one I remember when yeah. it came out and I watched it with a friend of mine. And I don't know why I thought this, but I think both of us went in thinking it was going to be more funny than it was. Yeah. And I was confused throughout the movie. Like, I wasn't sure how to feel. And so I came out of it like, it's fine, but I need to revisit it now that I kind of know the basic tone of it and just see how it hits me in a different way.
1: Well, definitely. And and the way to approach most of his movies, like, I, I started with Snowpiercer, which Obviously, right. had a much different tone from people who recommended it from me for me, and then Oakja, and so I'm like, okay, I get it. And then I saw Parasite, and then I'm going back to you know one of his first ones or third movie. And I'm like, huh, because I always heard the host was funny too, and then I'm like, this isn't funny at all. But I also didn't yeah. have that expectation going into it. Finally, because yeah. I'm like, I know what to expect from him. So
0: yeah, yeah. I remember only. Like, as far as the funny part goes, I remember at the beginning when, like, this the creature is starting to attack everything. And I remember laughing because there's a guy who's, like, r- trying to run up to it and hit it with, like, this giant sign that's been ripped out of the ground. Yeah. And it's funny because it's so heavy he can't even lift it. And so I'm like, oh, this is going to be funny. But then after that, it's not. Like, it's <laughs> like, there's nothing. Uh, yeah, I need to revisit it for sure. I need to revisit a lot of his work because I have seen Snowpiercer, and it's good. Yeah, I've seen The Host, and I need to, like I said, revisit it. Um, I know you were a big fan of Oakja. I did. I liked
1: Oakja a lot. Um,
0: And then everybody likes Parasite, so I need to check out that one as well. Which I believe is on
1: Prime now. Um, Is it?
0: I know it's on Hulu for sure. Oh, perfect. Um, Then
1: yes, you need to watch it. You need to watch it. Yeah,
0: it's on my list. I'm going to make time for that one before it also disappears in the next two weeks.
1: (laughs) Yes, you do need to do that. Uh, Kale. What have you been watching? Oh,
0: man, it's been a weird couple of weeks. Okay.
1: You're telling me. I I, I don't get <laughs> updates when you post on uh, Letterboxd. Uh, if anyone wants to go follow us and check it out, uh, we post our reviews up on Letterboxd, or try to. is a bit more consistent in reviewing and posting than I am. Uh, but it, it's weird. And I'm like, holy crap, you've been watching a lot of movies. <laughs> and then I'm like, it is a weird,
0: it's a weird collection of movies. Go, okay, so um, so here's it's been a bad run. So uh, Slade and I I mean we, we've talked a lot about like who's generous in their movie reviews and stuff like that and, and I, we might have said this on the last episode as well. Typically I watch movies that I'm pretty sure I'm gonna like. That's that's where I go. I don't intentionally seek out bad movies um, personally. I don't find a lot of joy when someone's like, you need to see this movie. It's so bad. I'm like, I'd rather watch something that's so good. Um, I, so I don't go ahead.
1: <laughs> no, no, I, I completely agree with you because I'm like, Kill definitely seems to me like he doesn't seek out bad movies. And then no. the, the more I've listened to how you rate movies, like it makes sense the movies you have choose at times to participate in. I'm like, I get right. it because of how you've rated previous films in the series. <laughs> and, and, but I was just going to comment, I'm I'm the opposite when it comes to recommendations. Like, I don't usually have friends recommending, go watch this movie, it's bad to me. And I'm like, why would I do that? They recommend movies that I'm like, it's so good, you have to see it. That usually turns me off to going out and seeking those movies. It's a funny...
0: Yeah, you Obviously, have I'm like when people I don't. start hyping stuff too much. It is it is yeah. frightening. So anyway, but the, but the point is, and the reason I bring all this up, where are we right, starting? With the, where are we starting? Let's, go, <laughs> let's just go chronologically. So chronologically, the first not good movie I watched in the last two weeks was Jay and Silent Bob reboot. Now <laughs> I enjoy Kevin Smith, and I will quickly and openly proclaim like his movies are not fantastic and they haven't been for a while like yeah kevin smith in the 90s perfect everything about it but it's because it was the 90s and it fits so well so i like clerks i like mall rats i like chasing amy even though it's that's another one i haven't seen in forever yeah mm-hmm. um i'll even i'll even give people dogma like dogma's not as amazing and that's, that's when where I was it starts in college,
1: to college drop off
0: but it starts to teeter uh, but you know dogma was one i watched in college and it's just enough in that movie to feel like it's deeper than it is that's kind of how dogma runs mm-hmm. like when you're in college you're like yeah yeah we should oh that's really interesting anyway but the older <laughs> i get the less interesting kevin smith movies uh after the year 2000 are yeah and So, the Jay and Silent Bob reboot, I knew wasn't going to be great. I knew that. (laughs) But it was a weekend afternoon, and I'm like, why not? Why not? And I didn't hate it, even though I gave it one and a half stars. Yeah. Which is really low for me. Uh, It is. (laughs) Like, that's getting really bad. So, you had your movie
1: Um, goggles on. Like, you didn't hate it. You watched it. But you objectively... Yeah. yeah. I mean... Rated it
0: (laughs) on its movie merits. (laughs) Well, the only thing that makes it fun is if you're like, ah, oh, I do like how Kevin Smith kind of... Well, and I, I put this in my review. Kevin Smith is the first guy who does, like, a movie universe. Yeah. He's the first guy I knew that would ever do that. So Clerks and Mallrats and Chasing Amy all happen in the same universe. Jay and Silent Bob are the characters that are kind of keeping it all together. They, they know all these different people in that same area. Those movies reference each other. Yeah. I'm like, that's really cool and interesting. So i think he's a fun filmmaker for that because he's a big comic book nerd and he did yeah expanded universe stuff first so the jane Santa bob reboot kind of fun only because if you're like oh yeah it's a good nostalgia hit a little bit but it's also like (laughs) it's also when you see your friend after years and years and years you're like really you haven't grown up at all yeah that's disappointing yeah um but still fun just to see how nobody can bring in celebrities to do dumb stuff better than Kevin Smith. Very true. Because that movie's just full of like, hey, you want to come in and do this dumb thing? Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, and you get a
1: sense too, I imagine. I I started it. I, I, I didn't get past the opening sequence because I'm no. like, I'll watch it. Um, and then I'm like, <laughs> I, I, I want to go play video games. Never mind. And, yeah. and it's true though, because you also get a sense of just like, a lot of big names have been in Kevin Smith movies, which is a weird thing to yeah. think of. Like when you think of, you know, Ben Affleck and Matt Damon, probably the biggest. Yeah. From I like, can remember of just stars who really start with Kevin Smith.
0: Well, they start with him, and then but there's you a know. lot of like Will Ferrell is in one of his movies. Oh He's yeah. Got Rosario yeah, yeah. Dawson in a couple of through couple yeah. of them. He's worked with Seth Rogen. He's worked with. um Chris Rock. I mean, he's in oh, George yeah. Carlin. Like, he pulls a lot of big people in his movies. Tons. But anyway, t- tons. By anyway. the time I was done with this movie, I'm just like, okay. I, I watched that. It's. I will never want to watch it again. There's mm-hmm. nothing in it to mm-hmm. make me want to do that. So that was when the first... it goes direct to Prime. <laughs> well, so you know. I mean, again, something that's kind of cool about what he did is he he ran it like a festival. Is he would yeah. go and do screenings all around the country yeah. and again i think he's an interesting person because he's like i know this isn't going to make a ton of money if i just put it out in theaters so he taps into a fan base people he knows that will like his work brings them in talks in front of them shows them a movie i'm like cool stuff yeah okay we're going to talk a lot about these dumb movies apparently so the second (laughs) bad movie i watched (laughs) is john carter I've only, okay. I've
1: only heard. It doesn't even look good, see, but go on. No, th-
0: it does, it's not. And, uh, <laughs> see, is, I'm annoyed at a specific person here. Um, okay, so one of the movie podcasts I listen to, it's not anyone we actually personally know, so don't get too it's, it's not like juicy uh, rumors. So one of the movie <laughs> podcasts I listen to is called The 500 Greatest Films Podcast. It's hosted by Hector Navarro and Keller Knobloch, and I like it. It's a fun it's great podcast. podcast. Go it's, check it it's out. It's very funny. I like it a lot. Well, Hector... Though I, I love listening to him. He's a very enthusiastic guy. He recommends and talks up so many movies that to him are, like, flawless. And he just got on Letterboxd, like, a month or so ago. And watching how he rates movies, you would hate it. You'd be so mad. <laughs> like, if it's a Marvel movie, it, like, already gets five stars. That's almost how it goes with I him. I would hate it. <laughs> and, again, he's a big comic book guy. And that's not entirely accurate, but a lot of stuff gets up Yeah, there. yeah. So he has talked up John Carter multiple times on his podcast because he's like, I feel like it's unfairly maligned and like people are like, oh, it's a bad movie. And it lost Disney millions upon millions of dollars. That's the only reason I remember it is it came out. No one saw it. Everyone said it was bad. And it's directed by the guy who does like WALL-E and Finding Nemo. And it was his first and I think only live action movie he's ever done. Hmm, and what uh, could go wrong? <laughs> yeah and it's a, it had a massive budget, well over 200 million dollars and then it just bombed and Disney yeah. lost tons of money on it. So I heard it was bad, but then I'm listening to this podcast I'm like, well maybe the, maybe I'm missing something. I'll check it out. So I started and uh, it's just boring. It's <laughs> just boring. and the storytelling is weird and you're never sure where you're headed in this bizarre world. Um, so it was it was bad. I think Mm. I also gave that one and a half stars. It was really I think so. I think it gets some credit just because there's some fun creature work in there. Like, the director, since he's worked in animation, does some cool stuff with creatures and some some visual effects stuff, which is fun. Um, But it is boring. It is so boring. Now... (laughs) I'm like, this is a giant space epic, and I'm bored. It sucks. (laughs) It's not good. Now, I'm very curious, because I
1: think I know what we'll probably end on, (laughs) because... Again, we're doing we're doing please. a mini episode here, and I actually like it. Going back to Kevin Smith, I think we should definitely do an episode just on Kevin Smith universe, because it yeah. fascinates me. But anyway, I, I know that where you're going, fun. and I want to identify some things here. First, you start with Jay and Silent Bob, which yep. is nostalgia factor. Like We both like Kevin Smith movies. We have opinions on, on eras there. I get watching Jay and Silent Bob for that. John Carter... You get as a recommendation from a podcast we both uh, enjoy and like, okay, I'll give it a chance. Now, the next movie you're going to talk about is one that has (laughs) come up frequently between us and on this podcast. So I understand why you watched it. I'm just very curious of the gigantic dip in enjoyment that apparently happened between... The the brilliant premiere of this amazing <laughs> amazing movie. But the sophomore album couldn't live up. What what's going on? I, I here? love
0: that you're so happy that I don't like this movie. Okay. I
1: don't know why.
0: I know. It's weird. <laughs> well, I I know why, because at the at the our first episode we talked about our favorite five films that we saw last year. And in my top five movies of I that I just watched last year. Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure was one of my favorite movies that I discovered last year. It's so fun. It's so silly. It's bonkers. Everything is is dumb. And I know that. But it worked for me. It
1: really did.
0: (laughs) And I gave it four stars.
1: I know (laughs) you did. And we both agree on it. That's the thing here. Like, the only thing I don't agree on is the rating. But I agree with
0: everything else on this movie. It is so enjoyable. Go on. (laughs) So then, this week, I just, like, I want to watch something, but I didn't know what. So I was scrolling through everything. I'm like, ah, Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey on Amazon Prime. Let's do it! Because... I remember when this film came out a little bit. I was very young when it came out, but I remember people talking at some point in my life that Bogus Journey was just a huge departure from the first, or it just had a different feel to it. They go to hell. They go to all these different... (laughs) It's weird. Yeah. But I was enamored enough with the first one. I thought it was very charming and fun and great. And I know before all of this lockdown stuff, a third one was supposed to come out later this year. So... I was yeah. kind of curious, like, all right, well, what's part two? <sighs> this movie. <laughs> I did at least a little bit of, of research on this, because I'm like, why? why? So here's, here's here's the basic difference. You asked, like, why is there such a big difference between rea- yeah. ratings? First, the second movie's not fun. That's okay. the number one reason. It loses all of its sense of fun. Bill and Ted as characters in the first movie are lovable doofuses, um who they're dumb, but they're not like, they're more spacey than stupid, I feel in the first movie. Like, they just like, what? Oh, okay. What's going on? So in the second movie, they are borderline Beavis and Butthead. They are stupid characters. <laughs> and there's a change in director, so it's not the same yeah. guy who directed the first one. The director of the second one has other great blockbuster hits like the Garfield movie. Oh, so gosh. I feel like that explains a lot too. <laughs> that does. Uh,
1: That really does.
0: (laughs) Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey has these characters constantly, like, you know the little like air guitar thing that they do? Well, they do it a few times. They do it enough in the first movie. They do it constantly in the second movie. It's stupid. They're constantly like, yeah, because they only do it a handful of times in the first. It's all the time in the second. They have so many moments where they just look at each other and there's like, whoa ha <laughs> all right and then they just go off it's like it's too much it's basically beavis and butthead just like laughing and saying burn and fire and it's just like okay yeah move it along people move it along um yeah it it's very it's a weird dark movie which i don't mind necessarily but it wasn't dark in a fun enough way yeah so like i said these characters go to hell the plot of this oh my goodness Sorry, I'm spending way too much time. We're already 20 minutes in, and we haven't I know. got to our main movie. I know. But, <laughs> I know, but you're just like, yes, roast Bill and Ted. Um, so the plot of this movie, it opens in a way that I think is super fun. It's way like hundreds of years in the future. Um, you've got this yeah. really interesting future world. Like, their clothes are ridiculous. I'm like, this feels like super fun late 80s, early 90s futurism. I'm in it. I was even enjoying from the moment, like they did some real good diverse casting in the first couple of minutes of this movie. In the future, at this Bill and Ted University where everyone is reminded to be excellent to each other, there are so many people that immediately like, oh, we've got all of these people from different backgrounds and ethnicities and they're all here at this university. Like it actually visually represents like the world coming together in a way that worked really well. But there's some dude who hates Bill and Ted I don't remember why. I don't think it matters. And so he sends an evil Bill and Ted back in time to kill the original Bill and Ted, break up their band, the Wild Stallions, so they cannot get out their message of peace to the world, I guess just to destroy the world. Once that happens, everything is terrible. Evil Bill and Ted are... Yes, they're supposed to be evil, but they're part of the reason the movie's not fun either because it's still those actors... Saying terrible mean things, being harsh, being whatever, mm. um, they throw out. I'm, one of my criticisms on the yeah. first movie <clears throat> is when they actually Bill and Ted have a moment where they express that they they care for each other, and then almost like as a defense mechanism, they call each other fag as yeah. like like oh that just got too real, and it's like ah, I really wish that wasn't there. Yeah, but I can also see it in the first movie as just like it's. I hate to say there's any charm about using a word like that, but yeah. there's something where it's like, especially in the late eighties, like these are two bros who are like, I really care about you, but then they're like afraid of their feelings. And so they have to like yeah. distance themselves. That's what it feels like. But in yeah. this movie, they throw the word around a couple of more times and it's not in that same context. They are, The mm. two times they use it is straight up just like, I'm saying it cause I'm mad and I hate you or whatever. And I don't like that. Um, yeah. Their time in hell has some weird, almost like when Tim Burton tries to do some weird horror stuff, is what it feels like in hell. Because a lot of like weird close-ups and creepiness, and yeah. Anyway, there's one good sequence in this movie, and only one, and that is with Death himself, Death the Grim Reaper, because um, Bill and Ted die; they are killed by evil Bill and Ted, and they try to barter with the grim reaper can we go back and he's like you have to beat me at my game and it's this great throwback to like the seventh seal yeah this old old awesome movie where the guy like plays chess against death to see it you know and so what they end up doing is like you have to beat me at my game and then it cuts to them playing battleship and for some reason that's just like a fun like and then bill and ted win they sink all of death's battleships and then death has to be like Uh, best 2 out of 3 then they play Clue and then Death loses at Clue and he's like best 3 out of 5 and so Death keeps trying to change it because he keeps losing at all of these games that like came out in the 80s and that is a fun they play Twister like that is the good fun silliness that I was there for but it only lasts for like 4 minutes out of the whole movie then you get weird yeah that
1: is so sad
0: because just the description of that is really hilarious Yes. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Like I said, playing games against death, it's it's not worth watching the whole movie for that. No. But it is worth finding like that one clip just to watch it because the guy who plays death is great. That sequence is great. But overall, this movie is bad. And it's not fun. I mean, I agree with you.
1: I I might have I I was also actually thinking of watching it because I saw it. Uh and I was like, I should. I mean, I watched the first one and I actually really did enjoy it uh, yeah. a, a lot. Uh, and, and also just because, and it's a random piece of trivia that does not justify watching this movie at all, but Megadeth, the metal band, uh, yes. obviously, with Megadeth being their <laughs> not name. The, not the
0: polka band? Not the polka Megadeth. band.
1: Uh, <laughs> extreme death metal polka. And so... Ooh, I
0: was listening to that.
1: Yeah. Uh, they actually were hired to write the theme song for that movie, because the original title uh, was called Bill and Ted Go to Hell, and then they changed the title of the movie, so Megadeth has a song on the uh, soundtrack called Go to Hell, and that's where the song came from. That's not enough to watch the movie, though. No.
0: <laughs> At all. Um, and then, I mean, I could go on for a while on why I don't like I mean, this is a yeah. movie where like they tried to do a lot of crazy effects stuff and it looks awful it would have looked bad then and it looks really bad now but anyway so yeah it's been a weird couple of weeks for me movie wise like it was like three strikes in a row trying to I'm like I'm like i don't yes. know i had i didn't have high hopes for jay and silent bob so that was fine i watched it i didn't hate yeah. it but i'm like this is not a good movie john carter i was sitting there hoping like why why does anyone say this is good like i totally see why this bombed and nobody wanted to watch it because uh, it's not good and then bill and ted was just like oh man no i'm so bummed <laughs> that's the way it went so weird weird movie week
1: mm-hmm.
0: well are are we ready to get into our movie this week <laughs> i guess so we're over 25 minutes in we should get to this thing let's get to the good stuff yeah Alright, so as we mentioned over 20 minutes ago, we watched the movie 28 Days Later, which came out in 2003. It's directed by Danny Boyle, who uh, I I suppose if you know him from anything, he does train spotting. He made 127 Hours. Um, He made Slumdog Millionaire was when he really kind of exploded and everyone's like, oh, who's that guy? So he's a guy who's got a lot of pretty highly acclaimed movies under his belt. Yeah. And 28 okay. days later is where a lot of people, I, I, well, Train Spot. If you saw Train Spotting in the 90s, Tra- yeah. you, you knew him from that. Which I've not seen Train Spotting. I haven't. Um, so, uh, but otherwise, for me, this movie came out when I was in college, and yeah. uh, people liked it then, yeah. and so uh, it's another end of the world movie. I was excited yeah. to get into it. We we have done a lot of end of the world type movies. Uh, some that's my fault. <laughs> It, I, I chose Outbreak, and I chose this one. That's <laughs> true.
1: Um, quick, quick note: It came out in 2002, it, and and I only make that distinction not to. I had to look it up real quick because I'm like, I think it was yeah. 2002, and I just say that because it, there's a point in our conversation I want to talk about with this movie that is important to the date it coming comes out. Maybe you'll go okay. there as as
0: well. Uh, I. This is an interesting movie. Uh, but i'm really curious to see what you have to say about so yeah, yeah. I, i've also seen 2002 i think it depends on where it came out i think it hit the u.s They're, in th- oh, 03. in 03, I'm that guessing. that might yeah. be true that's where i was because it
1: yeah. i guess you could say we're technically doing a uh foreign movie correct yeah is this a british movie um it is a british movie okay <laughs> our first it, for- is, it is our first foreign film
0: <laughs> all right well let's do a quick uh <laughs> recap yeah. What's happening? Is it our first foreign film? Goodness, maybe it is. Anyway, all right, quick recap. Um, 28 Days Later opens with a, a group of animal rights activists breaking into a lab where they are experimenting on chimpanzees, and they are there to release the chimps, but while they're doing that, they get warned by the tech who's working there, you can't release them, they are infected, and if you let them out, bad things will happen. Well, they let them out anyway. And then 28 Days Later... We pick up with a character named Jim, who wakes up very naked in a hospital, and yep. <laughs> no one's there. It um, it, it It's funny trying to try remember what comes first. Like, this was obviously way before The Walking Dead, yeah. but it opens exactly like The Walking Dead. Yeah. Um, so anyway, Jim wakes up. He's in a hospital. There's no one else around. He stumbles through London. Um, finally coming upon a couple of other people, but also coming upon all of these other super crazy, angry, rabid, infected people. And the idea is that whatever those chimps were infected with has spread to humans, and the whole world has gone crazy with people just killing each other like nuts. Um, Jim then, after partnering up with these people... And then find some other folks. You know, it's like a, kind of a zombie. This is, yeah. by most accounts, considered a zombie movie. I could see people who would argue that it's not, but it's it's splitting hairs, really. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but eventually, they, they get a very small group of just four people together, and they catch a radio signal that directs them to head to a certain place further north where the military is, and they have an answer to this whole virus problem and so they go that direction to find the military um camp base whatever they do find it and then chaos ensues and that's probably all we need for now it's I, it's a I very so. yeah it's it's plot wise there's not okay. a lot of important there's a few other important things we'll talk about I'm sure yeah, but yeah. plot wise there's an outbreak people are dying we got to go somewhere they go yeah. somewhere bad stuff happens yeah. it's a zombie movie so I mean I mean no,
1: it and yeah. I did you have a place to start or or
0: um let's start with the first thing I noticed, which yeah. is this movie looks gross. Um this is a grainy? Yes. weird like I'm not used to it. And it, it was funny cuz I was telling my wife like we were watching it last night and this movie came out at the same time as Last Samurai. Yeah. Maybe a year well, difference. But Last Samurai looks gorgeous and is beautiful (laughs) and clean and crisp. And this, I mean, it's technically an indie movie. Its budget was like $8 million. Yeah. Um, It was put out by Fox Searchlight. So it is an indie movie, and it feels like an indie movie.
1: It does. And (laughs) no, and that's definitely something uh, since I often comment on how a movie looks or strikes me visually. Um, and you said gross, and, and I don't know if that means you didn't like it, or were maybe just off taken by it, uh, cause I agree, it does look gross. I was, is. I was mostly just taken aback, yeah. Yeah, yeah, cause it, yeah, it's very grainy, um, and I'm trying to remember all the Danny Boyle movies I've seen, which I think I've only seen two others, which is 127 Hours and Slumdog Millionaire. And there's things from those movies, especially in 20 Days Later, that are reminiscent of a Danny Boyle thing, which is a grainy shot, because even in those movies, he uses, especially in the beginning, we have these uh, animal rights activists busting into this facility where these chimps are being on. And I will say, it might be my favorite sequence of the entire movie is that really? it, is that intro just because mm. it is disturbing yep in a delightful way because uh, it's all it's not footage of the world collapsing yes
0: okay it, yes, yeah, this is very cool
1: it's it's footage of just the world in there like it's people rioting in the streets and chaos and like a chimpanzee is hooked up to this thing just like staring at like clockwork orange style with Mm -hmm. all these TVs surrounding it and you're like oh this is no this is before the outbreak (laughs) the virus spreads and I don't know quite what it means maybe I'll formulate something else for it but it is all this grainy kind of found footage news footage in there and it is a style that Danny Boyle has used in other movies even To a much smaller extent. Uh, And of course this movie uses it throughout because it is so low budget. It is so indie. um, And I like it. It makes it hard to watch is all I'll say. um, Because it's compared to everything else that follows this movie for the next 18 years. It is not a polished zombie movie. It is much more reminiscent of low budget zombie movies uh yeah. which which adds to either liking it or hating it so
0: well it's just it does it just took me aback like i said earlier yeah. uh it's, it's gross feeling but it's because like i'm watching it and we're not used to this anymore like no. even the cheapest horror movies look good like Amazing. Blumhouse which i don't watch a lot of Blumhouse features or even the stuff that A24 puts out but those yeah. are movies that are low budget, but they look good. Yeah. And that's just a thing that we've created as a film aesthetic is like, we want our movies to look clean and crisp. Yeah. Even something that I assume is low budget. So I can take like the witch.
1: Yeah. The Which witch it is. is still
0: clean and yeah. <laughs> you can, everything is clear. And this just like, there's a moment in the beginning where, um, uh, Jim, who's played by Killian Murphy, who is, I like him as an actor. He's really cool. Yeah. Um, and he's he's good in this. I, I think of him more as the Scarecrow in Batman Begins, but <laughs> yes. either way, he's he's great. But at one point, he's walking through, and he goes into a church, and there's this shot of down in the pews, just like dozens of dead people, and it's it's a striking shot because again, the shot is so not clean. Yeah. My wife even looked at me, and she's like, "Are those all dead people?" I'm like, "Pretty sure it is," but like you almost can't tell. It's just like yeah, well, a mob of bodies yeah. but the colors all blur and the lines yeah. blur because everything's just so grainy yeah. um yeah. but it fits for this movie that's what it really also does. i think is important because yeah. for a post-apocalyptic movie for it to not look good for it to not be clean i think yeah. makes perfect sense even though it does the whole time i'm like is our yeah. internet connection slow why is it looking so bad <laughs> that that's exactly what
1: i thought and it's a thing of even streaming movies on prime that i have found of it does not come through as clear or takes a lot lo- longer. So I, I was wondering throughout as well, just like, is this just a bad connection or what's going on? But it is, it seems to be just the movie and it works uh, on so many levels. Like I like the church scene as well. Cause there's just great shots in it and it being grainy yeah. and that view down into the pews. Like you can't tell if everyone's dead and that's part of the horror moving along in that scene is all of a sudden like three four bodies shoot up in the congregation and you're just like oh shit Uh, you know oh no um, they're not all dead (laughs) they're not all dead and and the graininess factor whether it, it works a just as a low budget movie of just it makes sense it's low budget there you go but but also just kind of a rhetorical device of this is the apocalypse the view, mm-hmm. the view of the camera, it's, it's very much a kind of thing hearkening back to a movie or a book like The Road by Cormac McCarthy where he's yeah just like, people don't say a lot, but the language of the book is very flowery and stuff, and it's like the last remnant of language. And it's just like, this is all they have to film what's happening now, 28 days later, everything's gone down. So yeah. it works on so many levels to look the way it does. So.
0: And I think it makes the the viewing experience more intense as well. I mean yes. there's nothing grosser than an old horror movie. Yeah. Um like even if they're not scary in the same ways, they're grosser. And you feel Yeah. You well, have more feeling I feel for like an old horror movie. Like yeah. there's a reason that I think The Exorcist is still like the scariest movie in the world. And it's because it's old and it's yeah. grainy and well, you're like, I don't even know how they did that. Like, cause now when things are so polished, you're like there's a million ways they could do that. Yeah. Um, and this movie doesn't have that. <laughs> no. And we've talked about,
1: like, especially old horror movies, like something like a Nosferatu or even Dracula, where it's yeah. just, like, just... it—it It is the tone of the movie that's so scary because the actual things happening in it are not scary, but it's a tonal thing literally just made by the technology available and how they manipulate it to get a tone. Um, yeah, that's creepy. That is in this and it's in color. I like it. So,
0: yeah, it's good stuff. Yeah. Um, the one thing I probably don't like, uh, as far as the look of this movie though, is some of the editing is so fast and so choppy that (laughs) I, it, it, to me, it feels very much of that moment. It f- continues to feel like an indie movie, I think, at that moment yeah. because there are so many like super fast cuts in a sequence. And again, it was something my wife and I talked about. When when they do that is you lose a sense of space, which yeah. is weird because this movie, in a lot of other moments, wants you to be aware of the space. Like when he's yeah. walking in the empty streets of London, those are really cool, yeah. disturbing shots um, that, again, now seem commonplace in zombie movies. Which, I was doing a little bit of reading on this one. (coughs) Excuse me. And there are a lot of people who credit this film as one of the key films that brought the zombie movie back into pop culture. Yeah. And so a lot of what it shows and does became staples. Again, The Walking Dead owes this movie everything. Because it it starts the same way. (laughs) Rick Grimes going into Atlanta on an empty highway is exactly like Jim walking through the empty streets of London. It's
1: no it's it's but that <laughs> <laughs> go ahead go ahead well i think because we have to touch on it and maybe this is the meat of the conversation at least for me is you know because i came across that in my reading as well because it minus the right before the main movie starts like that part with the chimpanzees i thought hey that's cool that's yeah fresh fresh ish um <laughs> and and then everything to me seemed not fresh, but then I had to tell myself like this came out before everything else I've watched in yes. the last eighteen years. Um, yep, which is makes it really hard because the first time I've seen this movie, because um, I'm like, yeah. hey, that's oh no, Walking Dead is this. It's not the other way around, you know. Like yeah, twenty eight days later did this first. Um, yeah, and, and it's weird because I'm... so many tropes exist in this movie that for me now made it it was hard to separate because i'm like oh yeah it does that that's in every zombie movie then i'm like oh but this is kind of where it starts for for this generation of zombie movies
0: the uh, this generation that's a great phrase to to kind of bounce off of from here because yeah anyone who who loves zombie movies knows like zombie movies have been around forever uh, but they they've all been very different, right? You've got White Zombie way back in the day, yeah. With Bela Lugosi, you've got um, Night of the Wa- Night of the Living Dead, Dawn of the Dead. Those are in the '60s and '70s and all that. But yeah. like for me, growing up in the '90s, zombies were not mainstream no. at all. They weren't anywhere. Like well, people didn't talk about them. Yeah. They weren't in shows and TV. They were basically nowhere. There were more ghosts. There was way more vampires in the 90s. Yeah. Um, (laughs) But zombies weren't a thing. And so I was trying to figure out. I went through and looked like, where did it start? Because when I was in high school, I remember friends that had Resident Evil 2. So video games, I feel, is where the zombies really started to come back in. And then we got a Resident Evil movie, Yeah. which came out a year before this, I think. Or maybe two years before this. Maybe. Which was pretty successful as a movie. Yeah. But then, but like Resident Evil, um, that movie especially, yes, it establishes zombies and hordes and stuff like that in a good way. But this movie does so much more. Then, yeah. after this movie, I think a year or two later is when you get the remake of Dawn of the Dead. Yep. And then it's a few years after that that you start getting like Shaun of the Dead. And then a few later yeah. years later after that still is you finally get the walking dead and by that that point yeah by that point zombies are everywhere yeah <laughs> like it no, starts with one and then it spreads it does
1: there, there's a huge resurgence right at the beginning of the 2000s because you do have Resident Evil which is in the vein of zombies you have this movie and then it really does take off from there because you have the the legitimate zombie movies were trying to scare you or say something, you have the Dawn of the Dead remake, which is huge Mm
0: -hmm.
1: just because you get Shaun of the Dead, which people consider one of the best zombie movies ever (laughs) outside of a comedy movie. It is It's so good. And it just takes off and then you have The Walking Dead and just a slew of movies in the last 18 years that are zombie related and it's interesting it,
0: because and I, I think the thing that's important to remember for this though, is that, um, for the most part, not only were they not mainstream, like to think about how not mainstream, because yeah. like I went through and I just looked like, what are the zombie movies that exist between 2000 and now? Yeah. And I only recognize like probably five titles yeah. in the, that first 10 years, but there are dozens of other ones that are there. Um, but no one's talking about those because they were no. straight to video or they were, you know, they were like the cult followings of people who just loved horror movies yeah. and love zombie movies. They weren't Definitely. like making a big pop culture splash at Definitely.
1: all. Definitely. Well, yeah. And and you think, too, of even uh, the big zombie movies before the 2000s, they exist very much in the same space as those direct to video movies. Like, when you think of a white zombie, that's not a big movie. <laughs> it in it itself is no, an and it's a very independent old movie too. It's a very old movie and it itself was an independent movie when movies were not independent, you know.
0: Well and um, I think it's probably worth pointing out also that like You know, or Night of movies, the Living Dead and they're all indie yes. movies. Yes. <laughs> they're all indie movies and uh, just in general, like again, growing up through the nineties, horror was I mean there it's always fun going back to the 90s because there's a lot more movies that were rated R that were still like pretty big blockbusters and that's not a thing that we get now like now nobody wants to make an R rated blockbuster because they think they won't make as much money. Yeah. But horror movies were not big events. Like I feel like there are way more horror movies and good horror movies being made now than there ever yeah. have been. Yeah. Certainly before 2000 you're right that they were indie movies, but even then the people who were really into them there were a few standouts. People know about Friday the Thirteenth. They know about Halloween. Yeah. They know about uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. Um, yeah. So there's like some old classics in like that slasher genre. You get into the '90s, you get Scream. And I guess yeah. there were still some that came out. Like, I remember, you know, I Know What You Did Last Summer and Final Destination. Like, there yeah. have always been horror movies. But, again, those are all a different genre than just zombie. Yeah, And sure. this was one of those first ones that really came out and people were like, whoa, this is amazing. And I think that makes it, I'm with you, like, oh, this isn't that fresh. But at the same time, to remember that almost or the majority <laughs> it, yeah. of the things in this movie weren't being done. Certainly not at the time. And if yeah. he's taking from older zombie movies that's still reaching back 20 or 30 years from where he Definitely. was yeah so it, it, it's, it's really
1: it's using a reference yeah. point that again only a niche group of people really know about and then a movie like this or dawn of the dead explodes and gets to so much more people again like a virus um just because yeah it's hard yeah. to p- pinpoint any this is a zombie movie in the 90s or even even the 80s there's like one George Romero there's a few there's a few but like day of the dead is there but day of the dead which yeah and then you have to go back pretty much to the 60s with night of the living dead and so there's not just a saturation of zombie movies coming out like there have been in the last 20 years so it's very cool um in that respect so yeah there we go um what what do you notice going on in this movie worthy worthy of notes. Um, oh, man. There's a few it's, things. It, it's it's hard with zombie movies because, again, since it's like all the tropes of zombie movies, at least for me when I was watching, like it was hard to be like, okay, that, uh, without being <laughs> like, I've seen this so many times before, but go on.
0: <laughs> okay. Well, um, there's probably two 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 main things I want to hit since we're already at almost 50 <laughs> minutes or we're getting close to it. Because we spent so much time on Bill and Ted. Um, okay, so one of the things that I liked that was a little bit more subtle, I guess, or, or not as blatant as some of the other thing that's on my mind, is to see how he uses the backgrounds to kind of show a progression from like the old world into the new. So when Jim wakes up in the hospital, um, we, we, there's a few things that happens. One, he—I <laughs> wonder how much Pepsi had put into this movie. Um, <laughs> because Mm -hmm. the first thing Jim does is crack open a Pepsi and just suck the whole thing down. Um, But either way, he wakes up, and the first thing, he, he, whatever food he can find, which is like sodas and candy, and one of his uh, group members even says, like, you have no body fat, and you've had nothing but sugar since you've been awake. So it's lots of sugar, um, not healthy, not nutritious stuff. At the same time as he's walking through London... Uh, you can keep seeing things like in the background that are like advertisements for different things. And they're always like bright and smiley and happy. And then he looks like hell, just stumbling through and looking terrible. And I think that's an interesting juxtaposition. But it continues to do that while he's in London. So right before he meets uh, his first two companions, after he's running out of the church, he runs out of the church and um, there is a billboard in the back ground where all these guys are running around back there and it's a it's a billboard for like a strip club i think and so you've got again like this woman who's just beaming and smiling and just like everything's fine and happy or whatever strip clubs are trying to sell but in the shadow of that billboard all of this chaos and all of this this death yeah and um that is very different than when they finally leave the city when when jim and his crew finally leave the city the shots become these wide shots of countryside and nature uh, one shot looks really weird it looks like he just took a painting of flowers because hmm. i don't think oh, it's yeah. even grainy film quality like i'm like that can't be a real field of flowers that looks like a painting and then he just like puts the car zooming over yeah. the top it's what it looks like it's very strange um but there's a lot of focus still on like sunsets and fields of flowers they stop and spend a night in, like, kind of this old ruins. Yeah. <laughs> but it's still, like, grassy fields. And you've got kind of this, as human life decays, like, the, the human decay starts in the city where you've got all these advertising things, and things are supposed to be nice and, and great and pretty and whatever. And yeah. then the human decay starts there. And then they get out into nature, and as they move into nature, you see humans and the things they've built start to break down and decay. Yeah. And nature is kind of taking over again. So that I thought was interesting.
1: That is cool. And it's an idea, I think, and you nailed it with uh, saying how it's visually represented in the film, uh, which I didn't catch on. Because there's one or two instances in this movie where they talk about that idea. They do. Which I think is really brilliant and something I have not seen in, in a zombie movie since. Or addressed in this way as poignant, which is the idea of like, maybe it's time for us to go. Cause they,
0: yeah. Cause they have a conversation about this with one of the military guys later too. Yeah. He's talking about like, he's like the world's not over. he's <laughs> like everywhere. I mean, he yeah. eventually goes in to talk about this other idea like them being quarantined on the British Isles. And that's kind of a little different thing, but he talks about like the rest of life seems to be moving on just fine. It's just us. That's the problem. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I think, but I do think it's done in a way here that's better than most stories that I've heard or, or people making arguments about that. So Definitely. I thought that was cool. Yeah, for sure. <sighs> so that caught my attention. The other thing that caught <laughs> my attention <clears throat> is uh, you, you were touching on earlier about it. this movie opens with scenes of riots mm-hmm. and it's, it's jarring because... It's just like, oh, oh, are we in it already? Is this already happening? And then, yeah, you find out later it's just this chimp is watching it clockwork orange style in this lab. And I think what's important about that is later, again, when they meet up with the military guys, you've got kind of their commander (laughs) played by Chris Eccleston, who's one of the Doctor Who actors, which I think is hilarious. Um, It's like, oh, look, it's the ninth doctor. He's a turd. Yeah. Um, Yeah, but he's talking about um, this a similar idea what you pointed out, which is the the monkeys or the the pr, the ape they're not monkeys. Uh, the chimp <laughs> is watching footage not from the infection, but the chimp is watching footage that exists before the world collapses, and yeah. it's already violent and crazy. And the military guy points that out too. He's like, you know, we've been in this thing for four weeks, and I see people killing people. You know what I saw four weeks ago? Yeah, people killing people. You know what I saw four weeks before that? people killing people. And I think that's one of the other major pushes in this movie is just the violent nature of humanity and how we think a virus is the worst, but really we're already the Um, worst.
1: Well, yeah. And I, I remember, I don't want to keep referencing the show too much because it's too easy, but like that, that was always a selling point. People would make for like a show like the walking dead, like it's a zombie show that's not about zombies or, or any zombie movie is not about zombies. And, and I like how this framed it. Like he says, you know, well, what what are we doing four weeks before this people killing people? You know, it's always about the conflict that arises between humans. When this happens, when an outbreak, when a virus, when crisis happens, where does the conflict go? It, it has very little to do with eradicating the virus. It's, the interaction between people and how that all goes down. And that statement he makes is again, something I've not heard framed in that way that I thought was just some really good writing of we're still doing the same things. And along with the idea of like, everything else is going to go on after humans. (laughs) Like we're, we're still doing this and everything else is going to happen. So I, I enjoyed that.
0: Yeah, and I think it's done well because, I mean, that scene when they're all eating and that's where the guy's talking about nature coming back and he's talking about... like It's definitely a, the scene where they're saying, like, and this is what the movie's about. <laughs> yeah. It feels that way a little bit, but it works, so I don't yeah. mind, and it makes sense to me. Um, but I thought that was really cool. Now, what does that mean overall? I don't know if that means things get positive or worse from there because there is yeah. this movie is intense, and... <laughs> Yeah. Part of it is intense because of, again, that grainy quality, which makes everything feel more intense, but the violence and blood splatter, the uh, almost rape that yeah. you think is going to happen but doesn't happen, but you think it's going to, and like because this military commander has made a promise to his soldiers, like, I'm going to get you women to come here so that we can yeah. keep the species alive. So he's promised, and again, it's like his... Statement of like people are always killing people. Like I feel like this film is mostly exploring like people. It's not just that they're bad in the the bad times. Like they're bad for him to have the idea of I'm going to lure women here. Yes. So our species can survive. That's kind of how he justifies it. But there's no way getting around that he has promised his men like I will get you people that you can just use for sex. Yeah. Like, that's so terrible. And, I mean, this one, it's rough. It's rough and it's performed and acted in a great way that it feels visceral and it feels icky. And you're like, oh, I don't like this at all. But, again, what yeah. that, this movie keeps pointing back to is this is not the only... This doesn't happen just in the apocalypse. Yeah. I. This stuff happens all the time. Well, yeah. And it, it sucks. <laughs>
1: yeah, and you see that kind of common trope in zombie movies, like, of people they're trying to return to normalcy and one of the things that means is something that military commander is putting forth of just like we're gonna keep doing this. We're gonna have sex slaves and and that's yeah, not necessarily hinged on the fact that there's an apocalypse and we need to keep the human race on. That's something that was going on before that. So right? The idea of getting back to business as usual, include something like that is is the thought i had as you were talking and it is it's very disturbing to think
0: about it is um important especially because like the two women who are in this movie you know one is in her 20s and the other one is like i don't know in her teens 14 maybe 15 at the oldest and so yeah it's so then you get at the end you know jim goes on this (laughs) pseudo killing spree
1: yeah
0: which I think also—I don't know if it complicates things, but it—it it, it makes me wonder more about like what is the main thrust or message of this film? Because Jim so far has been pretty reluctant to kill. I mean, he kills yeah. that one kid that one time, yeah. but he feels super gross and terrible about it. Yeah. Um. Again, tried to be justified by the military guys, like it's kill or be killed, and and even um. Oh, I forgot it. Selena?
1: Selena is what we'll Something call like her.
0: I, I don't remember. <laughs> even though he says it several times. Yeah. You know, she's like it's all about survival. You have to kill people if you need to, you know. Yeah. Um, but his turn there at the end when he realizes that humanity is also just messed up and terrible, like he uses that rage, that virus yeah. to take out all these military guys. Yeah. I don't know.
1: Well, yeah, it's it's an interesting thing, and I think it's a, a question with how zombie movies get laid out that other films explore to a much greater extent. The, the idea of what makes you different in this time, and this film yeah. only touches on it, barely. Um, well, I think
0: this film seems to be suggesting that... Um, I mean, yeah, throughout the movie, Jim's like, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to, you know, I want to help people live. I don't want to go around killing everyone. But then he changes his mind when he sees that circumstances are so dire. He's like, I guess I have to be. So I wonder if it's more a statement of just like, we can try to hang on to our morals all we want. But this is a part of who people are, is we are violent and we are going to do terrible things when we feel like we need to.
1: And yeah it definitely goes in that direction. And a lot of apocalypse movies have that idea or definitely make you ponder that of who are the good guys, uh, right. To, to reference the road again, that's a conversation that actually happens in that book between the father and his son is, Hey dad, we're, but we're the good guys. Right. And he's like, yes, we are the good guys. And then that's juxtaposed with the, Scenes of him shooting people. Um, yeah. You know, uh, something that this genre is just great at <laughs> for, yep. for for thinking fodder. It really is. So, yeah. Um, All right.
0: Anything else you want to throw in there? Are you ready to move I, to ratings?
1: I think we can move to ratings because most of what I have to say goes into how I rate the film. So,
0: okay, as well, I try and that. decide on it.
1: Gail what do you give this movie
0: Oh man okay Um, I'm very curious I think this movie is very good I think that it is instrumental in how we think about horror movies and how we think about zombie movies Um, I agree with you that some of it doesn't feel quite as fresh because we've seen all these things but I think that's another probably unexpected perk of it looking so grainy and weird is when you watch it, it feels like an older movie than it even is. And so I think that almost helps me appreciate what it does even more because if that movie came out today and looked nice and clean and polished today, I'd be like, whatever, you're just doing everything else that everyone else is doing. (laughs) But even watching it and noticing it, how old it looks, it's like, okay, yeah, you were doing some good stuff back there. I think it's good. I think that the choppy editing is gets a little crazy um, yeah. during some of those action sequences. Uh, my wife and I were talking about how it's hard to tell. I know I mentioned this briefly. Like, where is everybody in this space? Like, they're being chased, but I don't know where everybody is in this moment, and it makes it hard to watch, and feels like you're gonna have a seizure sometimes as well. So, I don't care for that uh, for that editing style. And I'm a little torn on the ending of the movie in general.
1: Which one? Did you watch both endings?
0: I did watch both endings.
1: Oh, thank goodness. I was about to text you yesterday and be like, make sure you go. It's yeah, included.
0: I okay. <laughs> I Yeah, because I watched the ending. I was like, wow, that really does end very quickly. And I stopped and then I was doing some reading on it. And I'm like, oh, yeah, there's alternate endings, which I vaguely remember people talking about when I was in college. And I'm like, yeah. oh, and it's just at the end of the credits. So I went back and watched to the end of the credits and watched the second oh, thank ending goodness. as well. Oof. Um I'm torn on that one too. <laughs> like it, it, <laughs> in both cases the ending is so abrupt. Um yeah. and I don't know if there's a better way to end it or not. Um you know what actually officially happens in both cases I think is fine. You know, in the one case they are presumably rescued. Yeah. Is I think what we're supposed to believe though we don't completely see it happen, but it also confirms the theory that the one guy had that is the rest of the world is doing fine they just quarantined our country and let us tear ourselves to pieces because there's more people out there and then you see a plane and a jet yeah. and you're like oh is that true because that's yeah i think the implications of that is interesting yeah um, there,
1: there's also a faith in humanity with that ending I there's a I little get, bit of that too. get more yeah, of it,
0: it feels happier for sure <laughs> yeah because the second <laughs> ending where they just take jim to the hospital after he's been shot and he dies yeah and they just go, well, we gotta keep going. And then they just keep going. They <laughs> yeah. both seem fitting to the writer, because I don't know if you saw who the writer is on this movie. Um, I'm trying to remember. Alex Garland, who wrote oh. Ex Machina and Annihilation. Yeah. 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 And he likes to have endings that are just like, wait, what? So yes. it kind of fits into what he does. It does. So I'm very torn on the ending. Um, I don't know that i love it but i think it's just because it happens so quickly yeah um and it brings up more questions where was that hospital how did they get there so quickly why are there so many good drugs at that hospital that nobody <laughs> else has raided? uh there's a bunch of small stuff that i think because of the vocabulary we have for zombie movies now where everything is looted all the time no matter what yeah. you're like how did that happen um so i don't know that i love the ending but i aside from that, I don't think there's much I can fault this movie for. And so I'm rating this one real high. I'm going four and a half. Wow. Okay. I really like it. It's, I, it's brutal and intense, but I think yeah. it's done really well. And especially yeah. for its time. And I like it.
1: Okay. Four and a, Wow. All yeah. right. I'm going to talk through it and we'll see where I end up in the end. Um, it's hard. Cause I've watched a lot of zombie movies. But um, I I love researching movies, and this movie demanded I research a, a bit of it so, yeah. as to get a context for it, since I did not see it uh, way back in the day when I probably should have. Um, it, it has a very important place in zombie movies and probably horror movies to that extent as well um, that I think makes it very important uh i i like in our conversation here today i think we've talked more just about the making and composition of the movie more than we have probably for any other movie um instead of like, possibly (laughs) instead of uh story-wise and the structure of those things because if i look at on the structure of events alone and, and this can go for any zombie movie I just don't think much happens.
0: <laughs> no. To keep me interested. Yeah, yeah, that's a zombie movie problem. There's usually not it, a lot of interesting It is a zombie, zombie
1: movie problem cuz I'm just like, well, you did all the tropey things and then of course, cultural yeah. context, like, well, yeah, cuz you created the
0: tropes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> train to Busan is a really good movie, but plot-wise, not a plot-wise there's there's not a lot happening. Uh, we tried to get off a few times. Yeah. It was dangerous. We got back on the train. Yeah. It, it goes into more movie. of
1: what's said between characters and, and things like that. Right. Whereas this movie it it has a pretty even balance of here's some things that happen and it ends a little ambiguously. Uh, so for that I, I it doesn't thrill me, but when we talk about the making of it, I, I like it a lot more. Um, cause I was a little bored watching it yesterday. I made the quip to my girlfriend. I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to start rating movies based on at what point in the movie did I get up and go just cut up cucumbers in the kitchen, uh, and let it keep playing, <laughs> which I did yesterday, which was about an hour. Yeah. in. I just kept letting it run. I'm like, I'm going to go cut up those cucumbers got in the fridge. I'm like, that is a perfect. Is that
0: about when they, is that about when they drive out of London?
1: I think so. So Some, somewhere yeah. around then, um, and so it, it didn't grip me in in that sense. And again, it, it can come maybe just from zombie sat- saturation for the last 18 years. But when we talk about how it's made, the grainy style, which uh, is a Danny Boyle style, and I love every movie I've seen of his, and I'm just, you know, I caught things. I'm like, that's very Danny Boyle. And I like that. Uh cause there's a voice behind the movie, which you don't get a lot with a lot of run of the mill zombie movies, unless you're talking, unless you're talking Romero, uh, it's very hard to pinpoint that. So I liked that aspect as well. Um, I don't care for many of the characters in this movie, but again, it's not a character driven movie. Um, Mm -hmm. there are ideas put forth the Action sequence near the end of the movie that is about thirty minutes. It's fine. I I still not sure if I like it as much, yeah. but I'm like this is very long. Um, the endings I do- <laughs> it was I I paused it at one twenty. I'm like okay, and then twenty five minutes of killing, and I'm like wow, that is literally the rest of the movie. Hmm. Um, wow, you know, and so. And the endings, I don't like any of them enough to rate which one's better. I think yeah. they both have interesting things to say. But as we talk here and how it's made, I think it is a very interesting movie, a very important movie, and I definitely need to watch it again. Um, so for that, uh, you know, i'm I'm gonna I'm gonna leave it a very middle of the road rating for myself until I can make up my mind watch it again which <laughs> is is three stars kind three stars. of my kind of my I enjoyed it uh, it's not it's by no means terrible uh, but it's not one that hits my uh, my feels my my loves quite as much uh, so I'm gonna watch again I'm gonna go three stars maybe three and a half
0: so, All right. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. All right. Well, I'm not here to argue with your with you about your rating. I'm a, I'm a smidge disappointed, but that's okay. I, I gotta um, watch it again. I gotta watch it again now. Well, and it, well, even as you were talking, and I know we need to wrap this up because right now we're aiming for like our longest episode ever. It's Bill and Ted's fault. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we can cut some of that out. <laughs> no, no, we will. not Special feature? Um, no. Okay. No, it'll be there. Um, we need it. Um, no, but as you were talking, I think it's interesting because, yeah, you were talking about the moment you got bored and I felt that as well. Like once. Yeah. And I forgot about this while we were talking. The one sequence that I did think was like, oh, this is stupid. Um, <laughs> maybe enough to even make me drop it to four instead of four and a half. But I think the rest of the movie makes up for it. So I'm not yeah. going to do that. Is when they drive through the tunnel. I think it's stupid. Um, yeah, they drive through the tunnel in London and somehow they're driving on top of cars in his car. I don't know what's going on there. Yeah. It's like. I remember thinking like how this is, this is dumb.
1: (laughs) Well, like that was an outright
0: dumb moment. (laughs) And, and
1: here's why I need to watch it again because in, and it's a zombie genre problem that I've noticed, at least for me is zombie movies have this thing (laughs) where they, they do, they will drag things out. Oh yes. You know, it's very much getting the tone of a scene, Right. And it can lose you really fast. And this movie does it. You know, it it is about a two-hour movie. Um, you know, and like I said, you're getting into the last killing sequence an hour 20 in. Um yeah. I'm like, what? You know, and so that is where it loses me because, A, I didn't know that even happened <laughs> as you were talking in the tunnel. I just knew I was bored. I had to pause yeah. the movie and get on Wikipedia to understand what the conflict was between the military guys and, and the other survivors, because I'm like, wait, what, what went on? Why are they taking him out to kill him? I missed it completely. Like what was going on? Like from context, I got, I'm like, Oh, oh really? They're,
0: huh? They're okay. going to,
1: I knew they were going to rape the girls and all that. I'm like, I don't remember that being said, but I was a little checked out uh, at that point. Okay. Um, so, you know, and that's not this movie's fault. It is, I think mostly a genre problem of you. They, they will last too long in the scenes of like, and now they're going to go shopping because they're finding a bit of humanity and it's all joyous. I'm like, Oh gosh, I've seen this so many times before, (laughs) you know?
0: Right. And it's, yeah, we've seen it all since I agree with you on that. Yeah, I think it does slow down a lot when they go outside of London and, but that's also where it feels like what you said earlier about a director having a voice in the film, because once they're outside and they're on these lonely roads and stretches, you're like, this feels yeah. so much like one director saying, you know what, this movie is not yeah. just about people getting killed, it's not just about this, like, it's uh, yeah. one person kind of finding a group and it, it's working in a weird yeah. way, but yeah. Since this movie came it, out, we've absolutely... That's in Zombieland, right? I mean, we've yeah. seen these things in so well, many places now. Yeah, well, that, yeah.
1: My, my girlfriend made the reference of just like... It's just like the Twinkie scene in Zombieland. Yeah,
0: land. absolutely.
1: And, and it's funny because I don't even think that is necessarily funny in Zombieland. When she pointed that out, I'm like, yeah. It's just they replaced... Coke and commercialism with a Twinkie, which is the sa- it's the right. same thing and the same thing, you know, right. but this, but this maybe did it first. And that is where it can get really bumped up for me. So,
0: yeah, I think it did it first, but I think also zombie land. I remember when I watched zombie land, uh, I don't know a yeah. year ago, maybe. Um, yeah. And I said in my review for that, like, I remember when that movie came out and it was early enough in the zombie resurgence yeah. That people loved it because, like, oh, this is so good because it's a good zombie movie and it's funny and it's action packed. And you watch it now and it's like, it's fine. But again, these are films that create the things that get repeated over and over and over again. I I still think that they're not always great. Like, I remember people like, oh, the way Tallahassee always wants a Twinkie, that's hilarious. I'm like, is it? It's fine. Yeah. You know, it's like, that funny.
1: Yeah. And that's the horrible aging of a of a parody and satire movie where right. it's just like it exists really in this
0: one point in time. Yeah.
1: Anyway. For sure, for sure. All so
0: right. Hour and 15 in almost. What are we watching next time, Slade?
1: <laughs> I'm really excited for this one. Um So. We are gonna hit the 50s, my friend. We and, and it's funny, I have unintentionally been referencing. Hinting at this, throughout this, with some of my references, uh, which is, we are going to be watching a movie that came out in 1957. It was a controversial movie. It was banned in Spain due to Francisco Franco and finally came out there 11 years after his own death in 1980. It is Paths of Glory. Directed and co written by Stanley Kubrick. Huh.
0: All right. Some uh, Kubrick. This we're doing some Kubrick.
1: And I doing i was Kubrick. thinking of it. I'm like, I, we reference uh, Clockwork Orange once or twice, and that was unintentional. Uh,
0: <laughs> True. I mean, you kind of have to, though, with this movie because that chip. You, you did. Exact, you did. I mean, it's absolutely. But I was just like, perfect.
1: Orange. Perfect. Uh, but no, As we were going All really right. early Kubrick. Early Kirk Douglas, nineteen fifty-seven. Yeah, our mo- our mother was wow. two years old when this movie came out.
0: <laughs> All right, so, um, I have no idea what to expect uh, aside from it's Kubrick. Is it one of his like three-hour-long? It is not. It is eighty-eight minutes. What? It's eighty-eight okay. minutes. It's not I just got a little hours. more excited. It is. It... <laughs>
1: it was either that or magnolia which is three hours so i i, I cut Ooh. the difference uh yeah. but it is yep. streaming right <laughs> now right now it is streaming on amazon prime uh all right so that is where you can watch it maybe tonight while it's still there um <laughs>
0: so don't lose it again
1: <laughs> otherwise you might have to rent it or buy it i don't know and with quarantine who knows when you'll get it
0: um right for sure so has right. of glory has of glory Sounds good, man. All right. right. Well, thank you for a good zombie conversation. This was a good time. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to us. I hope you enjoyed it as well. Um, I'm not going to do any other sign-out stuff because we've been going for longer than normal this time. So I'm just going to call it. Thank you so much. Farewell, good people. Don't stop the talk before you walk out of the theater. Or after. Or after. It's up
1: to you. You are your own person.
0: Don't talk before you leave the theater. It's loud. So, People get mad at you. Don't talk during the movie. Very I true. Don't know. I don't. Whatever. Know. <laughs> I haven't been to a theater in so long. I miss I know. them. Oh, and I've heard like right now the plan is that most theaters won't actually open again. No new, no new releases of new movies are going to happen until like July. That's closer than all concerts. So that is true. That's that is true. Good, but it's still maybe. two months away. So anyway. Um, we're just talking now. All right. Yeah. Bye, everybody. Bye.